Monday morning and welcome to Noah's Window. First of all, before we get into today's Noah's Window, I want to thank all of you uh, for your prayers. I'm doing really, really well. And um, I want to thank you for the birthday wishes as well. Mary Allison and I are taking a few days off in Branson. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you can tell from looking behind us, we're in a cabin and just having some great time together, uh, resting. Mary Alice, uh, as we've been reading through the one-year Bible, we're, we've been in the book of Job. And the book of Job is, I, you know, one thing I've just taken with every time we read through the book of Job is how different it is from the other 65 books of the Bible. Yes. It's just yes. got a completely different uh, feel because you're seeing a God follower go through unspeakable difficulties. At the beginning of the book, we know that Satan has asked God for permission to harm Job in the hopes that Job will turn against God. Job doesn't know this. No. Nobody else seems to know this. It doesn't seem to be clear until the end of the book. So right now, as you read through the book of Job to me each morning, we're listening to this back and forth between Job and his three friends. Three friends. <laughs> yeah, who claim they've come to comfort Job. Right. But instead, they're making his load a lot more miserable. You know, we often see Satan attacking Job in the death of his 10 kids, the mm -hmm. loss of all of his possessions, his physical health uh, being decimated. I wonder if we ever see Satan at work in the voices of his three friends. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm sure that they didn't intend that. I, no. I want to I believe the best about them. And I think... They're in a position that we can sometimes be in, and that is when someone who's a God follower is going through horrible, horrible times. And it's just our human nature to want to analyze things and figure things out, and sometimes to offer our suggestions for how to fix things. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I think in our humanity, with all the best of intentions, we insert ourselves and try to fix things that it is in our place to even suggest a fix to. And I I mean, I know we're talking about millennial, millennium ago, this story, but I see some of this play out even today. Well, the, the problem with trying to fix people's problems when they're going through grief is that we don't understand what's mm -hmm. going on. It would be like if I went to visit someone who was about to have brain surgery and I said to the doctor, I'll take over here mm -hmm. and do the brain surgery. Well, I've never been to medical school and I'm not a specialist. You know, I would do more, much more harm than good, uh, because it would be something. I'd be trying to fix something I didn't understand, and I, I wasn't capable of fixing. You're trying to make. You would be trying to make judgments based on knowing what is unknowable for you. Yeah. And that's what they did. They presumed to know. Right. Uh, what the relationship was between Job and God based on what they could see with their eyes, and they were wrong, and they mm -hmm. were suggesting fixes. And I think. There are times in our life, maybe more so for us because we're in ministry, but I think all God followers will at some point in time be called on to sit at the bedside of, a, of someone who has suffered great loss or is in the midst of great pain. And, and we, need, we need words. We think we do anyway. What do you believe is the best way to address a person who's in great tragedy and great pain? Well, I think the most important thing that we can do is to be there for them. Yes. Uh, we, we don't have words that are gonna make their pain go away. Yes. I mean, as a pastor, I've been called in countless times when there when there have been unspeakable, uh, oftentimes uh, surprising tragedies. 
you can't tell someone you know what they're going through right, because you don't, don't know what they're going through. Mm -hmm. if, and, and even, I mean, I've read scriptures and I've prayed, but I understand the one thing, if a person has lost a family member uh, very suddenly, what they really want is they want that family member to be back there. And there are no words that I can give at that mm -hmm. moment to bring that person back. What I've heard from those who have gone through difficult times is they've just said, Pastor, thank you for being there. I mean, there have been times when I've gone and just sat with people. I remember we had a tragedy uh, many years ago at New Spring where um, a wonderful, wonderful godly man was shot and killed uh, accidentally. And I didn't know what to say. We just invited the family to come spend the night in our home because we knew the media was gonna descend on them. And, and sometimes the important thing is just to be there. Right. And, and what can we do to just take a burden off? The, the worst thing we can do sometimes is to do what Job's friends did, which is try to analyze this situation. And, and I don't wanna get off into psychology here, but psychologists have talked about this for years. And oftentimes when, when people observe someone going through a tragedy, they wanna find some reason to blame that yes. person because the psychological thing for them is, if I can find some reason to blame this person, then I can, I can make myself feel better that this is not gonna happen to me because I haven't done what this person mm -hmm. has done. And, and I'm, I know I'm getting off on a side note here, but I kind of feel that with Job's friends yes. because they wanna find some reason to blame Job for what he's going through. I think it's, I think it's a, a way of them saying, oh, we won't have to go through this. This can never happen this to me. This can never because, happen to me, right, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and we never know. And, and I think, uh, as you said, I think just to show up, and even Job suggests or somewhere early in the book, you know, couldn't you have just brought me comfort? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. just the comfort of your presence and reassurance of your love. I think that's uh, often the most important thing. And then also to pray for whatever his situation is to pray for that person to just bring that person who's broken and wounded to the lord in prayer um is is can sound um maybe not very powerful but is extremely powerful yes it is yeah when i preached through this i, I preached a three-week series called mm -hmm. uh silence, silence in 2008 if, if memory serves correct and mm -hmm. <laughs> i should have preached more than three weeks from the book of job I, I remember though and i may have actually said this on a previous noah's window I remember uh, sitting in our living room. Uh, we were in an apartment because we had sold a house yeah, we and we were in between houses. So we were actually in an apartment for a little while and, and it was a small apartment. So I remember sitting in the living room of that apartment and reading the entire 42 chapters nonstop yeah. because I wanted to get the feel of the book. And when I did that, it, it led me to preach the middle sermon of that three week series. And I think we called it white noise or something like that mm -hmm. because I just wanted to, I wanted to communicate that all Job's friends were were just noise, yeah. and and so, yeah, that's that's worth looking at. There, I want to go somewhere for a moment, though. I I think all of us are going to be in a scenario. Maybe we won't be in as deep a pit as Job was in, but we're going to hear things from people who uh, may even have good intentions by what they say, but it's going to do more harm than yes. good. You know. Yes. Uh, it's important to realize you don't have to listen to everyone uh, yes. who tells you uh, what their opinions or their thoughts are about what you're going through. And there are times when we actually have to close voices out mm -hmm. of our mm -hmm. life because they're doing more it's harm true. than good. They are doing more harm than good. Yeah. 
And um, just because I want us to end this notice window on a good note, <laughs> I wanted to go to the end of the book, and I hope you'll all get your Bible and read or reread. I mean, you know, we've read it many times, but it, it's always a reminder to read through it again. But if you get to the end of the book, um, and I, I don't want to read, there's a whole passage um, at the end, let's see what, chapter 42. And I just want to jump into verse 10. So you need to go read right before that. Read the whole chapter, but particularly right before that, because this is kind of part of this narrative. But in verse 10, it says, When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. But I love this next part. Then all of his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. Now, remember, he'd been abandoned by everyone. And, you know, he could have said, he could have been consumed with bitterness and said, hey, you know, never mind. I'm going to go get some new friends. I'm going to start over. But no, all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because of all the trials the Lord had brought against him. And each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring. So I just find it. There's so many powerful things at the end, and, and I hope you'll grab your Bible and read this whole exchange because there's like two, maybe a little more than two chapters of God just talking to Job, and then he talks to Job's friends, and then he gives um, gives them some instructions and Job some instructions, so I hope you'll read that whole thing, but to me, the ending is so beautiful in the fact that he, as he has... Um, Children, I think one of the verses here at the end is there was no women. There were no women as lovely as his daughters, and and I think it's also interesting. It it, it mentions at the end that he gave his daughters an inheritance along with their brothers, which that was unusual. For it was time. it was unheard of. So there is a wonderful ending. But if you are in the middle of a Job like situation, or if someone you love is in the middle of a Job like situation, let's just remember. To, to be assured of the fact that only God knows what only God knows. And we can love anyone in, in a situation like that. We don't need to fix it. We don't need to analyze it. We need to show up and, and bring love and comfort in those situations. Good advice. Yes. Good advice. So on that note, um, Mark, would you please send a word of prayer this morning? Our Father God, we come to you today on this Monday asking you for grace especially for those who are going through, like Mary Alice just mentioned, some kind of Joe Black situation. And especially, Lord, for those who are having not only the problems that they're dealing with, but the voices that are not helpful. Oh God, I pray that you would keep Satan from being able to do extra damage through those uh, who want to blame or criticize or judge us or try to give us an explanation that doesn't really have any bearing on what we're going through. Help us keep our eyes on Jesus. And Lord, we know you are the God who turns things around and brings us out, redeems our brokenness, and brings good out of evil. We love you and we trust you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, again, uh, thank you for joining us here in Branson, Missouri. And we'll look forward to seeing you here again tomorrow on Noah's Window. That's right. We'll see you again. God bless.